Good day and welcome to the CG Zest Wellness Podcast. For this episode of the podcast, our CG Zest Wellness team member, Donovan Ingram, speaks to three different individuals for a nutrition panel. So this podcast episode is all about nutrition and features three different individuals who Donovan starts the podcast episode by introducing. Throughout the podcast episode, you might hear references from Donovan to our CG Zest Wellness blog. And so certainly, if you hear that and you want to check out the blog, please do. The actual URL for the CG Zest Wellness blog will be in the show notes below here. So you can check that out and as well, share that URL with your loved ones. And let's teach everyone nutrition to take advantage and and grow their personal health and wellness. So with that said, here's our episode that features a nutrition panel. Thank you for joining another CGZS Wellness Podcast. My name is Donovan Ingram, and I'm the wellness manager with CG Atlantic. I have a, a great panel uh, available to you guys today to listen to, and uh, our panelists are expert nutritionists here in the Bahamas. Joining us today, we have Dr. Patty Simonet. We also have Dr. Anne Rule and Miss Shandira Smith. Just to give you some information about the panelists, Dr. Patty Simonet received her doctorate doctorate degree in nutritional sciences and a master's degree in exercise physiology from Howard University in Washington D.C. She is a certified nutrition specialist with the American College of Nutrition and is licensed by the Health Professions Council of the Bahamas. She is also a certified personal trainer, health and fitness instructor, and achieved enhanced qualifications for exercise and the older adult by the American College of Sports Medicine. In 2002, she was honored by the Ministry of Education and the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and cultural organizations for her contributions in the field of science and technology. Dr. Simonet is actively involved in sports medicine in the Bahamas and works with a number of national team athletes of several disciplines, um, including soccer, swimming, tennis, and athletics. Dr. Simonet is the president and CEO of the Wellness Clinic and personal trainer studio, and we welcome Dr. Simonet. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Simonet. Then we also have Dr. Uh, Ms. Shandira Smith. Shandira is a dietitian with the Department of Public Health and Ministry of Health. She provides direct nutrition care to clients at poly clinics, schools, maternal, maternal and child health, adolescent health care centers, providing access to continued education and nutrition education for teens and teen mothers. mothers. She also works to plan and coordinate implementing nutrition promotions programs around, around the country. 
She writes articles for the local newspaper um, and she conducts workshops and seminars for all to participate. So we welcome Ms. Smith. Thank you for joining. My pleasure. And last but not least, uh, our next panelist is Ms. Uh, Ms. and Dr. Anne Roll. Uh, Dr. Roll is a holistics nutrition practitioner. She's interested in pa uh, she, her interest and passion for natural health began over 30 years ago while working as a registered nurse midwife in the family islands. After observing the positive outcomes of the natural plant-based diets in active seniors, she initiated this diet in her own life. So intrigued with the importance of nutrition and health, she earned a PhD in holistic nutrition while still working as a public health nurse and health educator. Since retirement, Dr. Roll delved full-time into holistic nutrition and transformational coaching and offers clients a healthy alternative in managing lifestyle diseases such as hypertension, diabetes, obesity, and women's health issues. So without further ado, I welcome you, Dr. Roll. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. No worries. So ladies, we have uh, quite a bit of questions that we want to pose to you, and I'm not going to waste any more time. I'm just going to go straight into it. My first question is actually for Dr. Simonet. Dr. Simonet, there is a theory, and our SAS wellness members hear this theory all the time. They, they hear this theory that if we eat an apple a day, it will keep the doctor away. What's your thoughts on that? Well, well, Donovan, I thank you for that introduction. I um, I wasn't hearing you quite clearly, but but thank you for that. Yeah, yes, that's that's interesting because that's the, the proverb: an apple a day keeps the doctor away is actually more than 150 years old. So it's been passed. Good advice, actually, that's been passed down through generation. But it has a pretty straightforward, literal meaning, I think, and that is that when you eat fruit, in this case, an apple is a fruit, or eat more plant-based, it, it helps maintain good health. So apple, apples have uh, a lot of health benefits because they're rich in antioxidants, they help protect our cells against, you know, free radical damage caused by things like UV rays and pollution. For people who are diabetics, it's low on the glycemic index scale, so it, and it also helps boost the immune system. Because of the fiber content in it, which is four grams of fiber per serving, it actually supports and benefits a healthy digestive system. So when you hear an apple a day keeps the doctor away, by themselves, the answer is no. So if you're eating poorly and you said, oh, you know, they say if you eat an apple a day, you're going to be healthy, it keeps the doctor away. So by themselves, the simple answer is no. But when you eat apples or plant-based and fruits as part of a well-balanced, healthy diet, then you have numerous health benefits. And so I think rather than um, individuals thinking, well, I can just eat what I want to eat and have an apple a day because an apple a day keeps the doctor away. No, the apple a day is just a proverb. It's a saying. It's part of a healthy, a healthy diet. So again, eating fruit maintains good health. So have your apple a day, but also incorporate that in a well-balanced diet. 
Thank you for that, Dr. Samir. You know, because a lot of people get carried away with this concept, con concept that um, if I want to eat healthy, I should only eat salads or I should only eat fruits or I should only drink water. Uh, I think the conversation about healthy eating goes beyond just consumption of fruits and vegetables and water. It does um, stem into that balanced meal structure. So that does add some light to it. And I, I'm going to move over to um, Dr. Roll. Uh, Dr. Roll, what's your thoughts on a balanced meal structure? I, there's also conversations about um, certain vegetables or certain fruits being better than one another or some fruits and vegetables uh, being too high in sugar. What, what's your feedback on that? What, what, do you, what advice would you give our listeners? Uh, when we talk about a balanced meal, um, Donovan, thanks for the question. We have to look at um, individually because we're all individuals. We're all different. And from my perspective, a balanced meal would be based on your type. When I say the type, your age, your activity. Um, the basic things that we have to look for is um, your protein, your fats, your carbs. But you have to have your nutrients in because if you don't have the nutrients in, the body is not really balanced. So when you talk about a balanced meal, you want to make sure that your protein is adequate. By protein, I mean your fish, your meat, your nuts, your seeds, and uh, the other things that consist with your protein. And um, your carbs. So many times we have, we go overboard with the carbs because we're more into the processed carbs. And we don't consider them a balance because they create issues for the body. You have a lot of um, blood sugar issues, the weight issues. So we want to focus more on complex carbs or non-starchy vegetables. They are carbs as well. That would be your um, broccoli, your cabbage, your carrot, yeah. All the greens, those are your non-starchy vegetables that we can uh, continue up to be. And the fats, the good fat. Most times we say, okay, I'm going to go and just use this fat, this vegetable oil. You have to be cognizant of that because a lot of the fats, all fats are not equal and all fats are, don't do a body's good. For example, now we have such a burden of the, the, the chronic diseases, the high blood pressure, the diabetes, um, the heart disease. A lot of that are contributing to a food. A food is the foundation. So when we look at the quality of the fats that we use, we have to be mindful that there's some fats that are good for us, which would be uh, um, omega-3 fats. And um, I always say, look like coconut oil, olive oil, those are uh, some butter. But when we go to the vegetable oils, they're more what you call hydrogenated oils. They're more chemically prepared. So it doesn't do our bodies good. It creates more problems for the body. So when you look at your senior diet from that perspective, you have a good quality, fresh protein foods, um, good carbs, and less of the high carbs food because we said we have to have a lot of rice, we have to have a lot of pasta, those put us into trouble. And as I said, we have a problem now with diabetes and all the other issues. It just throw our bodies off. And what we're finding out now, they create more information. So to help want to stay on a good path with health, you have to look at the whole picture. What am I eating? And the balance diet goes with your lifestyle as well, as I said, because some people are very active, some people are more sedentary, but you have to be able to make that balance. From my perspective, we look at food as foundation. So when you eat the food, the food's supposed to be doing what it needs for the body and not just eating a plate of food. You have to have the um, nutrients. You have to have your um, 
all the, all the things that consist of a good plant diet, plant-based food, all in their, their colors, even for your colors. So I know I'm talking around the whole thing, but eventually you want to have protein foods, good quality carbs, good quality fats to create a balanced diet, which is specific per person. So, Dr. O, what I'm getting from your explanation is that not only just balanced meals are important, but also variety of meals, ensuring that yes. you get carbohydrates, making sure you get lean proteins, making sure that you do get those fruits and vegetables, but then also considering consumptions of fats and healthy fats at that to ensure that that, that balance structure is established. And, and Shadira, I'm going to turn it over to you because I, I think I want to ask you this question. You know, people glorify foods nowadays. Uh, you see on social media, you're seeing more photos of food rather than photos of people. You know, people are very excited <laughs> about the foods that they're eating. And Dr. Roll raised a very valid point in terms of um, carbohydrate consumptions. Um, a lot of persons are, are wanting to adapt to a vegan or vegetarian diet. And so because they're not able to eat animal meats anymore, they seem to be overcompensating, um, uh, overcompensating by using a lot more carbs to, to establish this feeling of fullness. What, what advice do you have to persons that want to adapt to a vegetarian or vegan diet? And what tips can you offer when considering this, this style of, of diet change? Okay, thanks so much. That's a wonderful question. And this and it is one that's actually near and dear to my heart because um, about 10 or 11 years or so ago, I actually transitioned from a, an animal-based type diet to a plant-based vegan type diet. And it was a really interesting and exciting experience for me as well. And so some tips I'll give to persons will be to make sure to learn about this type of lifestyle as much as possible so that when you get into it, you wouldn't be um, disappointed or surprised or wouldn't be able to actually follow up and actually carry out this type of lifestyle. And also, you want to see a nutritionist or a dietitian for proper guidance, okay? So we are once we're trained in this particular area, so we'll be able to give you a lot of information, especially as it relates to ensuring that your meals are well-balanced, okay? And if you do decide to do it after finding out the information, you want to make small changes, um, like having, let's say, meatless meal, um, let's say once a week, then you can gradually increase that as you become more comfortable. Or for me, what I did, I started like when I ate meat. When I ate meat, um, I used to do the red meat as well. So what I did, I cut out the red meats um, first, and then after a few months, I cut out the chicken and the poultry, and then after another few months, I cut out the fish and the dairy, and then so I went full plant based, so a full vegan, and that was. It was very good because it, it helped me psychologically and helped me to transition psychologically well. And so I didn't really feel that I, like I really missed anything. And so um, one really important thing, too, is too is that, well, the main difference is the protein choice as it relates to, um, to the plant-based versus the animal-based diet. And so what you want to do is always have a, a, a protein substitute. And if that, that, that's, of course, knowing what, what foods have in protein. So your peas, your beans, your seeds, um, your nuts and your seeds, they will have a lot of protein, as well as your whole grains also having some protein. And there are also a lot of different vegetarian entrees on the market. Some are very pricey, some are reasonable. But what I did, I used them just to transition. And then I learned how to make my own vegetarian entrees using peas, beans, nuts, seeds, a combination of grains. And that was really good. 
And so it also allowed me to have more variety in my diet. It actually, um, it was cheaper as well because pizza isn't, isn't as expensive as meat. Okay. And so you always want to have that protein, that tasty protein substitute so that you don't feel that, that yearning or that urge to actually put meat back in your diet. And so when you learn how to actually make it, you, you sort of empower yourself so you don't have to worry about um, the commercial ones and what amount of sodium that may be in them or other additives that may not be so healthy. And so you, this is where you will have more of a whole food plant-based diet as opposed to more of the having processed vegetarian entrees. Okay, and also what's important is that you um, get support from your family and friends some of them may be supportive and some of them may think you ought to be a mind not to actually be eating meat or decide not to eat meat since it's such a part of our bohemian diet. Okay. And so you also want to be creative and adventurous with your foods, especially as it relates to the protein um, or the entrees in, in your meals. And so um, and there are so many benefits from actually being or, or being on a vegan diet. You feel so much better in every single way, mentally, physically, psychologically, um, every way, it's it's just it's just awesome. And thank you for that, Shadir. You you raised some very valid points. You know, you said that we should consider meat substitutes. Um, we need to identify what those meat substitutes are. You you had identified beans and legumes. Um, also, for those who may not know, tofu is also one of the best meat substitutes that we can use. Um, additionally, um, other things that we have is um, you said it would be cheaper. You also mentioned that the family support is very important. And also the fact that we need to be very, very creative. Uh, Shanira, can you give us an example? I, I, don't mean, I want to hold on to that question a little bit longer. Um, give us an, an example of um, a vegan meal that is very popular amongst meat eaters. Wow. Okay. So, wow, there's so many on the market right now. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many different options. So from the burgers, I know black bean burgers is very popular. Um, also, those made from from chickpeas or garbanzo beans. A lot of products made from those. Um, to furkey, of course, you mentioned the tofu. I think tofu is perhaps one of the most popular one. And the thing is with tofu, tofu is very versatile. But I think a lot of persons don't know how to prepare it to, to really make it taste good. And so sometimes persons may be turned off from it. But there are, I mean, there, there's, you can get veggie fish, veggie turkey, veggie chicken, and different forms. Like you, can, you can have chicken strips, you can have chicken meatballs, um, you can have the veggie ribs. Like every meat there is, like there's a vegan option to it. But the thing is, what you have to really look um, at in those ones is the preservatives that may be in them. So if you're looking uh, to really watch your, your carb content, sorry, your sugar, sorry, your salt content, you really have to read the labels to make sure that they don't have excessive amounts of salt. But um, as I mentioned earlier, making your own is actually better um, for you in the long term. Yeah, and well, um, Naval, who's our wellness assistant here in the Bahamas, his, his favorite vegan meal is um, buffalo cauliflower wings. And he can give us a recipe for that as well. He's been bragging about that <laughs> quite often. So. I guess he, he's in that vegan phase right now as well. I just wanted to plug that in. <laughs> so, um, Dr. Roll, I'm going to turn over to you, if you don't mind. Um, okay. For adults, you know, um, we, we, talk, we talked about being vegan. We talked about um, the theory of fruits and vegetable consumption. But the reality is, 
um, adults and kids love mm-hmm. sweets. We all love sweets, you know. Mm-hmm. So for adults with sweet tooths, especially for chocolate eaters, uh, mm-hmm. what do you recommend uh, around consuming these types of treats? What, what's your recommendation? Well, thank you for that question. What I observe when it comes to chocolate in adults, you usually hear the phrases, well, I'm going through my changes. Uh, it's around my period time. So they tend to get different craves, right? Cravings. And um, when you look at it, chocolate has magnesium in it, right? So as a result of that, sometimes they may be magnesium deficient. Or it could be that they just have cravings for sweets and they're using the chocolate as a way to help them to um, appease their, their cravings. Most of the times when they're craving, sometimes it's emotional as well. So to help them and to overcome, especially the kids, you want to give them healthy options because although they, they want that sweet tooth um, to be satisfied, the body still needs what it's supposed to get. And you want to take, because when you look at sugar, sugar is one of the inflammatory foods that we're dealing with. It's, it's in everything. And most of the times the chocolate that they're getting doesn't have that much um, uh, magnesium or the, too many health, other health benefits. Yes, it's good, but it's loaded with sugar. So you want to help them, if they're going to do it, use more um, the stronger chocolates with less sugar. And um, alternatives like maybe a fruit or some nuts and some seeds, places where you're going to get more magnesium, the green foods, they, they are, and more protein. Most times we, we're lacking protein in our foods, especially what's going on now with the um, pandemic. Many people are distressed, and the distress leads to cravings or overeating. But what are they eating? Is more comfort food that would help to just appease the appetite. So for kids, you the mother or parent, you do the shopping. Things are going away with their mm-hmm. pandemic. But be mindful when you go to the food store. Don't buy those things that you know that would be contributing to a lot of sugar and obesity. We have obesity now where we're at 80% in the country. That's a lot. So what we can do now is to help to educate our, our, our parents, our mothers, especially the kids. What you, you're the one bringing the food in the house. The kids don't buy the food. You do. So you, and then set examples, too. You want the kids to eat less sugar, um, more fruit, more vegetables. But are you doing that? Are you buying that? So it starts with us as parents. We have to be role models for kids. And um, I remember picking up my grand from school as soon as it passed by 10.30. Oh, Grammy, I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry. But I said, listen, you have healthy snacks in your bag. When you get home, you can work with that. So we just have to work around that and help them to give them healthier options. And um, they can pass it on to the kids. And um, things like little popsicles with fruit, watermelon, just have things in the house, alternatives, make little smiley faces with the fruits and vegetables, put it on the table, put it in a place where they can find it and talk about it and get the kids involved as well. Bring them in the kitchen. What can we make today? You know, make it fun for them. So they learn to eat healthier and not depend on too much sweets and Kool-Aid. The summer is coming on. Get more vegetables. Get your watermelon. Make your baggies. Whatever you need to do. But this, I'm passionate about helping, you know, with parents and food and all that. Because we have, a, we have a problem in the country. And it starts with us as parents to help the kids to, to be a little more healthy. So whatever we can do as mothers with chocolate, yes. But let's look for some healthy alternatives. Have a little chocolate. Let's get some healthy alternatives. Dr. Roy, I love those suggestions. You mentioned 
um, that getting kids involved in the process of being in the kitchen and helping to prepare healthier snacks may avoid them eating those sweets. And then you also suggested that um, when going to the grocery store, parents should be aware of what they're putting into the cart so that those unhealthy foods or snacks or, or sweets don't end up in their pantries. My concern is that you're telling me that at 10 o'clock in the night when I crave chocolate, I might be deficient in something? Uh, can you explain that a little bit more for me? Um, as I said, magnesium is one of the main, uh, we need, it's a mineral that we need in our bodies. And many of us don't have enough of it. And sometimes mm -hmm. this is the way it shows itself. So um, some people have cramps, um, just feel they're probably headaches. Or most of the times they have stiffness, cramps, pain. Uh, but look at, again, it comes right back to the food you're eating. Are you eating enough vegetables and um, fruits and the good quality food to really um, get the body back to where it's supposed to go? So if at 10 o'clock in the night, maybe you don't want to go to sleep. You can probably have a piece of protein food. Maybe. Um, yeah, and magnesium, my, and magnesium is so important when it comes to health, isn't it? Because, you know, yeah. magnesium doesn't also, you, you mentioned cramps is a, uh, a result of low magnesium intake but magnesium exactly. is also very important when it comes to muscle support bone health so if you're missing out on magnesium on a daily basis we could be limiting growth for kids but and at the same time increasing risk factors of osteoporosis or osteopenia or arthritis among the adult population is that correct yes and heart disease as well you know we have a, a big problem now with heart disease in the country especially as women that's the leading cause of death for women in, in, in mm -hmm. the Bahamas not cancer mm -hmm heart disease. So it, it's the little things that make a difference with a diet and helping to raise awareness so people could be more um, knowledgeable about those little things that um, we can do to tweak. And it's not hard. You know, we all go for the peanuts and all that. Go for some raw nuts and seeds. Utilize the, the, the local fruits and vegetables, the seasonal, when they're here. And let's try and build our bodies up because those foods have a lot of those uh, minerals and vitamins in them. Thank you. Thank you so much for that, Dr. Ru. That, that's very, very helpful. So, Dr. Seminan, I'm going to I'm going to turn it over to you, actually. Um, there was a lot of concern from a lot of RCS members that they're, they're exercising, that they're thinking that they're eating right, but they're not really losing the weight, you know, and that, that concern, too, uh, some of the males is that they want to lose fat, but um, but also at the same time, increase muscle. I, I always find that difficult because how do you lose fat and increase muscle at the same time? What are your suggestions um, that you have as it relates to protein intake uh, for individuals that want to lose fat, but at the same time? Okay, I think that's an excellent question, Donovan. It goes back to, I think at this point, all of us in the health and wellness, or I should say specifically nutrition profession, understand that we have moved far beyond where nutrition was when everybody was kind of given the same prescription. Nutrition is extremely individualized because we all have a unique, um, you know, we're very similar, but we're also very unique. And so, when you look at individualized nutrition, there are some general guidelines about protein intake. For example, um, how many grams of protein a person needs is based on body weight, 
now when you look at the goals of that, um, you know, and, and Shandira and Dr. Roll were talking about um, plant-based proteins. And I think there's some value in even pointing out when I was talking about an apple a day, for example, that's why we need to look at balance because fruits are very, very, very low in protein. In fact, you know, an apple has maybe if a gram of protein, plenty or less. So we have to look at the fact that protein, like many other nutrients, are based on health, current health status and body weight. Because for somebody who is diabetic or has kidney disease or, you know, some other condition that is affected by their protein intake, we need to be mindful of that. And a lot of people are, are rushing to extreme diets and forgetting about balance for weight loss. So the common recommendation, that what's commonly recommended for both men and women is 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. So you can do that in pounds as well. Um, but if you know your, your weight, for example, in pounds, you just divide that by 2.2 to get kilograms. And so if we're looking at 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight, maximum one gram. Now, if you're an athlete and a bodybuilder because you're breaking down protein faster, you might need a little bit more. But if we look at 0.8 grams, a kilo, 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight, let's say we take a, a female or a male who's 140 pounds. Most men are over that. Well, that translate in, translates into 53 grams of protein. And that's very, very easy to achieve. And a lot of times people are uh, over-consuming protein because um, 53 grams of protein, if we consider three ounces of, let's say, fish or poultry, which is going to take us around 21 grams of protein for three ounces. So 21, three ounces of animal protein three times a day, because an egg has like six grams of protein. Tuna fish would have a little bit more in, two, in three ounces. But if we look at that, that's already 21 grams of protein per meal times, and that's not proteins, i.e. from, from great whole grains or, or legumes, which legumes by themselves in a serving, which is a half cup, could be six to seven grams of protein. So we're looking at 63 grams of protein for a female who weighs 140 pounds. If you have um, three ounces or 18 to 21 grams of protein a meal. So if it's 18 grams of protein per meal, that's 54 grams per day. So you're looking at two to three ounces, I would say, of, of an animal protein like an egg or two ounces of tuna in my experience counseling with patients, you know, that's for the Bahamian population, that's almost a joke. Nobody, when you share with them what's, what a serving size is, nobody, um, the, the vast majority of persons are not consuming three grams of protein for women or five, four grams of protein per meal as males, right? So we, we're all familiar with your protein is your palm size. For women, that's three ounces. For men with average size hands, that's about four to five ounces. 
men with extra large hands might go six, five to six ounces. So that doesn't include the finger. That's just the palm of the hand. But when most people see that, they're alarmed because in any meal, I mean, I'm amazed when I look at menus in restaurants where they're promoting 12 and 16 ounces of steak in one right? meal. <laughs> 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 so that's an entire day. Yes. And, that, and that's only from the meat. That's not even considering protein that you might get if you add beans or if you have grains, you know. So most people really are consuming too much protein, and that's going to put a lot of burden on the kidneys. And, you know, it, if you're a bodybuilder and you're breaking down muscle mass, then you might be able to increase that and say, okay, um, I'll do about one, one gram of pro, um, protein per kilogram of body weight. And maybe 1.2, I would say, would be tops. So, but if you want to lose weight, you know, you have to combine, you can't just consider protein intake. You have to look at the way you approach it. And everything again is individualized and it's about balance because if you want to build mass, you're not just gonna build muscle mass by eating more protein. That comes down now to exercise, which is resistance training. You have to challenge that muscle just like if you want to lose weight, people always say, well, I just want to lose weight in my tummy. I don't want to lose my hips. Well, the body doesn't think about it like that. The body says, you're overweight, you're obese. We're going to lose weight, <laughs> you know, wherever. You're just going to lose weight. Wherever you're carrying that additional fat, if it's in your hips, if, it, if it's in your abdomen, if it's in your arms, you know, um, we're going to lose that those fat pounds wherever, but people think that they can just eat protein to lose weight. And that's a dangerous um, position to take. And unfortunately, sometimes that's promoted in, in, in gyms. Um, and you know, they have these, what is the latest fad diet now? So many of them, eh? So many, <laughs> so many yes. <laughs> you know, um, and it really comes down again to knowing your situation, your health status, your means. There's no sense in telling people, you know, to eat steak when quite frankly, they can't afford to eat steak and nor is it the best choice for them because you have to take that in consideration now. You want to lose weight, you want to eat more protein. What is your cholesterol level like? Where are you getting this protein from? Is it fast food that's deep fried and battered? So when you take in the full picture, um, it's not, it, it has to be so individualized and, and hence the, the need for people to seek um, professional advice from, pers from in the persons who are trained, who are in the profession of nutrition, because we're going beyond what's just on the internet. Anybody could Google something and Dr. Google will explain your life away to you. <laughs> However, <laughs> go ahead, Donovan. <laughs> no, I, I was going to say yes. Uh, I, I was going to add to that, but I don't want I don't want to take away from your thunder. Go ahead. <laughs> so, Dr. Google will tell you how to do heart surgery and brain surgery. However, you're not qualified to do heart surgery and brain surgery. So, mm -hmm. it's important that you consult with the individuals who could look at where you are, who understand nutrition 
from the foundation and the cellular level, you know, because every nutrient, I mean, I, I heard a little bit of the discussion about magnesium. Magnesium activates over 300 enzymes in the body. The mm -hmm. co-factors, they downregulate some stuff, they upregulate some stuff. So if you just are looking at, okay, somebody says I need magnesium. I mean, people are just detoxing here, there and everywhere without any consideration for their, um, you know, for where their health is. So to stay on track, um, dietary protein is an important part of a diet that is intended for weight loss. Why? Because if you overemphasize carbs, particularly if they are, you know, highly processed carbs, um, that is counterproductive to weight loss. In addition to that, um, dietary protein has benefits for weight loss in terms of satiety. So you feel full longer. For example, if you, if you get up in the morning and you have just some cereal with some almond milk or just a piece of white toast with jelly, you're going to be ready to take somebody's head off by 1030 because you're stomach. <laughs> but if you have some protein that's lean, you know, and, and you look at, okay, this is going to be a slower digestion. So this isn't just a sugar rush. You can eat, and you know, Bahamians, the, the choices, usual choices for breakfast, I'm thinking typically now, not the bologna sausage or hot dog. I tell people all the time, there's no animal called bologna sausage, nor is there an animal called hot dog. 100%. <laughs> but if you have some sardines, if you have some tuna, if you have some eggs, um, if you have some bean and grits, you know, because now we're, we're, we're complementing the, the, the grain with the legumes, you're going to, that will take you into the day much longer than if you have just toast and tea or toast and juice. So Protein helps you feel full longer. So you're not ready to just be snacking all day long and looking what's in the fridge, what's in my desk drawer, what's in the cupboard, what do I have in the trunk of my car? If you plan your meals and you have them balanced, and for people who are vegan, you can, the, the important thing is to make sure that you're complementing, you know, your grains with your legumes and you could have a complete protein. Um, so from that standpoint, you don't, you could be vegan, but you have to know what you're doing as a vegan. Um, a lot of times people get into trouble because again, they consult with Dr. Google and Dr. Google isn't always the brightest thing because he doesn't have your history in front of him. And I always say as nutritionists and dietitians, we're looking at you. We're looking at your information. We're looking at you as an individual. Dr. Google is looking somewhere else. He's just giving you advice from somewhere. So it's important that we keep that in mind that individuals generally 0.8 grams to one gram max of protein per kilogram of body weight. Athletes and heavy exercises could probably do, you know, 2.2 to 3 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight if they're aiming for weight loss and they're breaking down muscle mass that has to be 
replenish. But again, protein intake by itself is not going to do it. Muscles need to be challenged. You could eat all the protein in the world, and if you're not doing resistance training, those little biceps can stay flabby. Okay. <laughs> so we, we have to we have to incorporate um, resistance training and not just you know muscle building because you know women are not designed that way to be built, and you know we don't have that level of testosterone. So when you see women buff like that, most of the times they're taking steroids anyway, because that's mm. just in our DNA. We have higher estrogens, not testosterone. So we need to really keep in mind that from an exercise standpoint, you want to have bigger biceps, you want to get rid of the, the, the hanging, the flab with the triceps, then you have to challenge those muscles. And the key to that is not necessarily bodybuilding, but low repetition, high resistance combined with the proper amount of protein. So I think yeah, Dr. Simnett, I, I couldn't explain that any better than you just did. I think that was perfectly explained, you know, in terms of the individualized approach, some understanding are you male versus female, what, what are the recommendations for those genders, um, uh, do you have chronic diseases, uh, are you managing that versus are you an athlete, you know, those conversations are definitely things that people need to consider. Um, and then you had recommendations about the protein intake and the fact that we may be already getting them from carbohydrates or some form of legume in our diet. So factor that in because we might be over-consuming. And yeah, yeah, one of your, my favorite recommendations from you was that importance of exercise to establish weight loss, not just focusing on the food consumption, but also adding an exercise component to our daily habit to, to establish this fat loss and and maintain muscle stability, right? Yes. Excellent. And I, I want to ask you another question, Dr. Simonet. You know, um, COVID-19 has brought about a demand for zinc tablet consumption, these the supplementation to protect us against disease. But in general, uh, what are your recommendations to our listeners about vitamin consumption? Uh, Donovan, that is, again, so timely. Um, mm. One of my biggest concerns really about the whole COVID-19 pandemic is that um, we as public health professionals and experts have not, in my mind, in my, in my humble opinion, given enough attention to the value of nutrition and nutrients in strengthening and boosting individuals' immune system to help them through the COVID pandemic, COVID-19 pandemic. Everybody is waiting for a vaccine. The vaccine is now here, but everybody is not eligible for the vaccine because some people are at risk. You look on CDC website and they have this, I don't know, multiple page document about to assess persons who might be eligible or not eligible for the vaccine. So now it comes down to what else can we do? And I can tell you for at least a year ago, I have been speaking with persons and talking to them and sending out information about, you have to look at your nutrition, you have to boost your immune system, and you have to look at nutrients that play a significant role in that. It's not by accident that 
several months ago now, the United Kingdom started giving out vitamin D supplements to their population. Because vitamin D, as we know, is it, it, it modulates immune system function. So when people are deficient in vitamin D, and, and who, who is most likely to be deficient in vitamin D when you look at the, the um, individuals who, who suffers the greatest consequences um, from COVID? Those persons were the elderly in, in, in care centers, and those persons were not being exposed to enough sunlight they were not well-nourished and getting foods high in vitamin D. Over 200 genes in our bodies are regulated by vitamin D, over 200 genes. So when we are nutrient depleted, we compromise immune system function. So that takes me directly to zinc. Zinc activates over 200 enzymes in the body. Magnesium activates over 300 enzymes in the body. And vitamin D regulates over 200 genes in the body. Now, if we have a problem with any one or more of those nutrients, that's just two of them. Obviously, there are more, but zinc and um, vitamin D happen to be the critical ones. And they have multiple functions. I mean, outside of regulating immune function and inflammation, and that's why it's so important in COVID, because we know with, with COVID, you have this very highly, um, I call it this, this flammable situation, right? High inflammation. Um, but if D and zinc regulates immune function and inflammation, it makes sense that people who are deficient in those areas um, and sometimes depleted, and our population is very vitamin D deficient. Uh, why? Because A, we have darker skin. Um, B, behavior means the majority of us, you know, we avoid the sun. We get up in the morning, we get in the car, we get in the office, we leave the office, we get in the car, we go to lunch, we sit in a restaurant or we sit in the car, we leave the office, get in the car, go home. So we're exposed to daylight. We're not exposed to sunlight. So we're not getting adequate sunshine so that we can have that necessary conversion. Because why? People have been fed that if you stay in the sun, you're going to get skin cancer. For most, for the most part, particularly Bahamians who are of darker skin, and we're not talking in the sun all day, you know, we're talking about 15 to 20 minutes of midday sun exposure. And most of that's that our vitamin D receptors in our bodies are where? Upper body, arms, neck, shoulders, and face. Everything is covered. And that's where we apply sunscreen. So there's no real risk of vitamin D toxicity from sun exposure um, in that regard, particularly for people of, of darker skin color. But, you know, um, going back to, to the zinc, Zinc is required for making proteins and DNA. It supports immune system function. Um, you can get it from whole grains, from legumes, um, from meat, from some types of shellfish. So the thing is that we have to be careful of not overdoing certain nutrients. So the water-soluble nutrients like vitamin B and C, you know, you, you, you 
take high doses, they're generally safe. There's, there's not a problem, but some nutrients have an upper limit to them. And we have to be mindful of what that upper limit is. So for most people, and the RDA is zinc, if we're around, men is, is you know a little bit higher than women, there's more muscle mass there. Um, but if we aim for like about 15 grams of zinc a day, we're generally safe. And those, those keep in mind the RDA or the, or the adequate intake is to prevent deficiencies. They're not always optimal. And by that, I mean, if we take vitamin C, remember when the recommendation for vitamin C used to be 60 milligrams a day? They've increased that. And for smokers, it's a 75, it's 100 milligrams a day. Well, think about how much vitamin C people take now. 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 milligrams of vitamin C a day fairly safely. And again, because we have to look at individualized nutrition as key, people who may have, you know, uh, problems with high stress, the adrenal glands are not functioning optimally, they need high dose C. They need high high intakes of vitamin C to the tone of two to 3,000 milligrams a day. But the RDA was set at 60 initially to prevent scurvy, not that it was optimum. So when we look at zinc from an optimum standpoint, the upper limit has been set at 40 milligrams. Again, back to individualized nutrition. Someone, a female who weighs 150 pounds will need less than a male or a female who's in excess of 200 pounds. And that's particularly important even when it comes to vitamin D. That's why children, um, when they're prescribed medicine by their pediatrician, what they do, they look at weight and they are prescribed based on weight. So the, the, it's important that zinc, vitamin D, magnesium, all these nutrients, we understand that what their function and role is. And when we take them, if we're not working with a professional, um, a nutrition professional, a, a, a dietitian who understands this level of, you know, because Dr. Google isn't telling you this. Um, we, we have to keep in mind that it's, you, you just can't, what's, what's good for the goose is not always good for the gander because your needs are different than my needs. We are bio, biochemically unique individuals. Each one of us have a different fingerprint and our nutritional needs in general are the same. We need um, micronutrients and macronutrients, but the, the but what we actually need based on our health status differs. And so that's where the professional um, comes in because zinc affects thyroid function. It helps regulate mood and sleep. It, it's involved in, in neurotransmitter production. It's involved, the, the, the deficiency of zinc actually impairs sperm function. So, so you, you look at all of this and you say, wow, so I can't do what, you're doing because my needs are different. And I think that's the thing I'm driving home that we have to keep in mind that while we are very similar, we all need carbs, proteins, healthy fats and water and all the vitamins, minerals and other compounds like CoQ10, 
We're very similar in that sense, but we're very unique in our DNA and health status and how much of it we need. So that was a little long, but I hope that kind of. <laughs> so Zest Wellness listeners, to echo Dr. Simonet, individualized approach is most important when it comes to nutrient intake and vitamin consumption. So thank you so much for that, Dr. Simonet. And uh, Shandira, I have a question for you, actually. So, you know, we and, and Dr. Simonet actually kind of raised this just now in her conversation. Um, each, each of us have uh, extremely busy schedules, everyone. You know, some are at home, some are um, working from long distance. You know, COVID has caused this whole virtual approach, so even working longer days in some cases. What's your recommendations for individuals with ex an extremely busy work schedule? but wanting to have a healthy meal? Okay, so very good question, very timely as well. And so for a person who is really busy and they want to really um, improve their nutrition, especially as it relates to their, let's say, breakfast or lunch, because sometimes you may have um, to get out early and we can't get to go out for lunch, so it'll be better to take your um, breakfast and lunch with you. So what you do is, I'd advise you to get um, some basic information on nutrition. Um, so know what healthy eating is, how to prepare balanced meals, do some healthy food preparation methods as well. And so we plan for almost everything in our lives. When it comes to our diet, we we, we tend not to pay as much attention. So we want to really um, plan. We, we really want to plan our meals, get in the habit of doing that. And so um, it has so many advantages. We can save time, money. We can feed ourselves and our families healthy food and also helps to keep us focused. And so... Um, check and see what you have in your cupboards, on your shelves, in your fridge. And based on what you have, you can even say, hey, uh, what can I make with the foods that I have? Um, what needs to be used up first? Can I mix these um, foods together to make a meal? Is this healthy? And then you want to plan, try to get in the habit of planning your, your meals at least one week um, in advance. And so once you plan and decide what you're going to have for your meals for the next week, you can actually make up your grocery shopping list, um, go ahead and purchase those foods and use them. Of course, use healthy food preparation methods to cook them because there's no use you buying healthy foods if you're going to cook them using unhealthy um, food preparation methods like frying. Okay, so you also want to um, probably invest in some containers, some good um Containers to put, as I usually recommend glass to use. Because sometimes people may put them in a, you may need to heat your food in a microwave and it's safer with the glass as opposed to plastic. Um, so you can actually, so after you prepare your foods, you can actually dish your, your meals up in a different um, containers. So you can even have them by days, but make sure that the foods that you use, uh, make sure that you can actually store them for, so that it'll be safe for that particular, for, for a particular time. And so also you can, what you can do is prepare like maybe about two or three different starches, two or three different proteins, a variety of different vegetables so you don't get bored having the same ones over and over again. And by doing this, you can actually just pick it up. But so also, also you want to invest in a good um, lunch bag, okay? Something that will keep your foods hot if you have the hot foods and something that, something that you'll keep it, something that will keep it cool. Um, if you have um, that that nature of food. And so when you get up in the morning, all you do is take out your food that you already have packaged in your container, put it in your lunch bag, and you're on the way out. 
Okay, so you also want to have some things on hand that are um, easy to prepare or that you can just pick up and put in your lunch bag. So let's say you bake some whole grain muffins, um, you bake some um, granola bars, or you made some granola cereal. So you could just package those and put with, um, you can um, just package them, or if they may be packaged already, um, you can just put them in your bag and you're ready to go. And as it, well, also nuts and seeds is another good um, um, food to have on hand is very easy to, you can just buy some small containers or those snack size um, um, container sandwich bags. You can put them in there and put in your bag and you're sort of ready to go. So have things around that are nutritious and are easy to prepare. And it really helps with um, eating healthy because you already have the healthy foods there. And so you just package them and you just take them with you. Shandira, uh, thank you for that because it, it sounds like you're really recommending a bento box when it, when packing those lunch bags, you know, a box that has a variety of different things that you can snack on either in one meal or across the day. But when thinking about children, you know, children's health is very important as well. And uh, children nutrition is important to monitor when, when you have kids. So what suggestions do you have when, when parents are raising picky eaters or picky teenagers, you know? Hmm. Okay, so whether as it to the children, well, when thinking about um, meals for them, of course, you want to make, of, of course, make sure that you have healthy choices available. Okay, and the thing is with children, well, you mentioned picky eaters, you always want to have um, or prepare foods in a way that's nutritious as well as delicious. Okay, so you want to make them, I, I like to say, child friendly. And so let's say if you have a picky two-year-old and you're trying to get them to eat fruits, you can prepare, but get different, get a variety of different types of fruits, make it colorful and make it as finger foods for them. Okay, so they are at that stage when they explore in and they use their hands a lot, just to just make sure their hands are clean before they eat. Okay, so do it, um, prepare foods that are bite-sized or you can have like a toothpick, maybe um, let them use a toothpick and just pick up their food with it or they, or they can just use their hands. But the thing is to make sure um, it's attractive, make sure it's tasty, get in the habit of um, using the different herbs and seasonings um, to make tasty foods, especially as they get older. And um, so you, you also get some benefits some health benefits from using the different herbs and seasonings. And so the main thing for parents is to provide the healthy choices and then you allow children to make the choices as to what to eat, but also make sure that there is balance and variety in their meals. And of course, try not to force them to eat any um, particular foods um, and don't use food as a, as a form of punishment or reward because then they will develop those not so healthy relationship with food. So I try not to starve the children either, um, give them the right amount that is needed for them. Um, but at the same time, do not feed them as if they're little adults where they're actually overfed. So of course, we know we have a big issue with um, pediatric obesity is like 45%. Okay, so a lot of times parents actually overfeed their children and give their children the wrong types of foods to have. And so, yes, their child may throw a hissy fit for, let's say, fries or some other foods that is, that is not so healthy. But the thing is, you want to be the parents. You want to um, um, know, who's, then know who's in charge. Okay, so if you provide a particular food for them to eat. They either eat it or they don't eat it or go hungry. Okay, so... Um, Dr. Roll mentioned earlier about the parents being a model for their children in terms of choices also. So um, it's not good for parents to try to get their children to eat, let's say, vegetables or fruits if they're not eating them. 
or to pass on their food dis their food dislike to their children. So if I don't eat carrots, I mean that I wouldn't buy it in my I wouldn't buy it and um, bring it in the house and encourage my children to eat it. Okay, so parents have to pass on those healthy um, practices to their children. And as I mentioned before, to try to provide um, as much healthy foods as they can, make it attractive, make it colorful, make it fun for them to actually consume. And I think by doing that, um, they'll, they'll actually be apt to more eating it. And also teaching children about nutrition as well. Um, teaching them how to cook, how to um, even, um, I would even go to the extent of gardening. If you have space in the yard, um, teach your children, go out there, um, you all grow the food together, um, harvest them. And by this, by doing this, they see where food actually comes from. It's not just going to the store to buy foods as well. And so even from their very small, um, like during the food preparation process, food preparation process, you can have them doing small tasks. And as they get older, they can be given more responsibility. So teach them how to cook and teach them how to shop healthy for, for healthy foods. And I think those are the two really important skills that parents can, can um, pass on to their children um, so that they can actually um, live healthier lives. Okay. Shandor, I think those are ex excellent suggestions. Uh, when it comes to um, picky eaters and children and, and and, and thank you for that. You know, shout out to all the gardeners that are on the call. Uh, shout out to um, anyone that has uh, produce growing in their backyard or on a shelf or in a windowsill. Um, that is the way of the future, definitely. And a big plug out to CG Atlantic for their garden space. If you want to check out our garden space, just give myself a Navala call. Patty, go ahead. Yes, I, I think, Shandira, thank you. You did, you covered that extremely well that was excellent i i the only point i wanted to add to that was that even when i was gra in graduate school doing some research one of the things that was very evident is that behaviors that are either enforced reinforced or not practiced in childhood tend to track into adult life and mm -hmm. that's eating behaviors and other types of behaviors so you, you can't just allow your children to have their way now and hope they change later. It doesn't happen that way. You That's have right. to really encourage and reinforce the right behaviors in childhood because it is th those are the behaviors that track into adult life. So I want parents to think of it from the standpoint, if you allow your children to dictate um, the, their food, um, intake and it's uh, and it's poor you are actually setting your child up for illness and disease down the road in their adult life that's right beautifully said party thank you so much for that contribution so ladies we are reaching the end of our podcast and i'm going to ask a question to both party and to shandira um, but before I ask my question, uh, I want to bring some some reality to 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 what everyone in, in the world is experiencing right now. It is March of 2021. Uh, we had a very devastating year of COVID-19 in 2020. Um, people are trying to rebound from it. We're moving past it. March is definitely um, a heavy recognized month for nutrition. That's why we're on this podcast today. There is also a focus on kidney function. Uh, March also brings light to women empowerment and women women as leaders across the world. What are your final thoughts in terms of um, recommendations to our listeners? What are things that you think they should focus on in this, this first quarter of 2021 
um, with the reality of what they've left behind in 2020 and the vision of moving forward throughout this year. Uh, Shandira, you want to go first? Um, I'll pass it on to Dr. Patty and I'll, I'll just I'll pick up from her. Okay. Okay, no problem. I'll 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 um, chime in here. I think COVID-19 has affected us in profound ways. Um, we have Nutrition Month in March. We have um, actually March is, is Kidney Health Month. And so the, the recommendation for kidney health pretty much is the recommendation that we would make for overall health. You got to keep active and fit. You have to control your blood sugar, and that's generally through diet. You have to maintain a healthy blood pressure. That's through exercise and diet generally. You know, we know hormones influence blood pressure to a large extent. Stress influences it to a large extent. Um, drink plenty of fluids, limit alcohol, you know, those kinds of things. The, the, the general recommendation for being healthy. But when we look specifically at, at COVID, we know that the impact of quarantine and being locked down and this panic buying has had an impact on us mentally as well as physically because it's affected our normal food habits. For example, we know that people have increased their snacking habits because they couldn't go out and dine. Some people learn how to cook and some people were even fined for sneaking out to buy food when they weren't supposed to be out to buy food. So, you know, it has affected the, the way we've made decisions, um, it's affected um, our mental health because of the stress that everybody was feeling under. I mean, somebody, you know, I joke about it. I said, wow, man, I gained three COVID pounds. You know, that's, that's not something that I'm happy about, but I'm used to exercising every day. And so I had to quickly make the adjustments and, and make sure that I was getting my exercise in because I recognize that exercise is also medicine. Exercise is not punishment. Exercise is medicine for the body. So when we look at the, the impact on our normal food habits and the impact on our mental health, uh, i.e. from a stress standpoint, poor mental health also impacts your food choices. Because when you're under stress, then you do more comfort eating. So you're looking for those things that are gonna provide comfort to you and they're not necessarily always healthy choices. In addition to that, what COVID has revealed, we've, we've peeled back the onion skin on this, is that during COVID, because of the stress and other things, alcohol consumption has increased. So that's definitely um, a negative, but when people are, have anxiety, they stress, they worry more, some people, unfortunately, turn to alcohol. Um, you know, they increase alcohol consumption and they make very poor food choices. So how can we improve that during this ongoing, you know, pandemic? Um, and I think Shandira actually addressed it earlier when she said you have to plan. And we know the old adage, if you fail the plan, you plan to fail. So we have to have a plan. It's easy, people who are either in lockdown or working from home because they might be at risk or because companies have, have folded down, when you don't plan or you have 
um, quote unquote junk food in your house, in your kitchen, you just wander mindlessly in there or aimlessly and you're like, you're bored or, you know, you're not as focused. Um, you, you have COVID fatigue and you're looking for something to eat because you don't want to cook. I mean, so you're not really planning. So it's critical that during this period, and for the most part, um, even out of this, that we plan to eat properly, that we plan to be healthy. Health, achieving good health doesn't happen haphazardly. It takes effort and it takes planning. So you have to really, where you need help, seek help, where you need support, find that support. And um, let us really help one another. And, and on the issue of food, um, you don't necessarily want to be restrictive, but you want to avoid those things that you know are problematic. I always tell people you can't eat one popcorn. You <laughs> can't have an ice cream cone in your hand and only lick it once. It's not going to happen that way, right? So we have to know where our challenges and our weak or weaker points are and um, do whatever we can to avoid temptation, you know? And, and this comes sometimes we need to resort to prayer because, you know, when we are challenged and struggle, the old saying, you know, Lord, lead me not into temptation. And some people say, because I could find it all on my own, you know, so. <laughs> preach, Dr. Seminary, preach. So we have to really just be more mindful in the moment. People are not drinking enough water, you know, they're, they're, and, and it's not, it could be overwhelming. So what I would say is start small. You don't have to change everything at once. Chad, start small. For example, my goal for this month or this week or the next two weeks is just to increase my veggie intake. I tell clients and patients all the time, if you have a a burger with one slice of tomato and two pieces of lettuce on it, iceberg, that's not veggie. You, you just no. have a sandwich with something on it. You need to increase your vegetable intake. Be very mindful about that. And then you could say, you know what? I'm going to work on reducing processed foods. If you're eating it every day, some people might feel like they'll struggle out if they stop cold turkey like cigarette smokers. Well, instead of having it every day, Every week you work down and you say, what? You know what? Once a week, that's my goal. And you will realize that if you could do it once a week, you don't have to do it at all. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. But set goals and start small. And definitely try to, um, you know, exercise is medicine, just like food is medicine. They go hand in hand. And, and during the pandemic, that was the most difficult thing for me because the things I do for exercise, everything was locked down. And then I, I, I got, you know, I had to have a dialogue with a police officer because he said, if I was not next to my next door neighbor, I wasn't walking in my neighborhood. I say, I think we need a national definition of neighborhood and maybe some boundaries to that, but exercise is medicine and food is medicine, and everything else 
no matter, I mean, I'm, I'm tired of seeing patients on seven and eight and nine and 10 drugs and mm -hmm. no attention is being paid to their real exercise and their real nutrient status and nutrition intake. So during COVID, that's, that's my, um, you know, that's what I'm, that's what's driving me to help people understand that you have to take care of you, but it starts with what you put in and your habits. And well Shandira. said, Dr. Simonet. Well, very well said. Very well said. Shandira? Yeah, so yeah, that's what's excellent, Dr. Patty. Um, so I just want to, um, so since all of that was nicely done, I just want to hone in on the women's empowerment um, part. A lot of times with females, um, we we um, are like these super beings, okay? We think we can do it all. We try to do it all. We try to be all to everyone, okay? But it's, it's really important that we really take our time for ourselves to really take care of ourselves. Um, so Dr. Patty mentioned about eating well, being active. Um, you also want to stay spiritually grounded. You know, you, you want to feed your soul. And she mentioned about praying, especially when you're having those, those stressful moments because it's really important for your mental health. Um, having a good support system is really important for us as females, okay? You know, we like to talk. <laughs> so we need, um, it's, a, it's a form of therapy for us a lot of times. So we want to have a good social support network where we can actually express ourselves and relieve some stress and, 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 and even get help um, as to as to deal with some of the issues that we face. And what's really important too is take a time out at least once a week, um, maybe for a couple of hours where you just spend time with yourself. Okay, just some time for relaxation, just relax your mind to forget about everything that everything else that is actually going on. And also you want to take regular vacations and not just to shop and to do other things, um, but to take some time out for relaxation and recreation. That's really, really important um, for your holistic health. And another good thing is, is, is I'm having a good laugh. Okay, the Bible in Proverbs 17 verse 22 says laughter um, is a good medicine. Well, let me see what it goes now. Um, <laughs> um, oh gosh, I'm forgetting. Anyway, it's medicine for the soul. Yes, um, but yes, it says that broken spirit dries, dries the bones. So we want to make sure that we, we, we laugh. All right, a merry heart do it good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dried bones. Okay, so make sure to get a good laugh. We don't, we don't want to be um, sad and, and all huffed up and puffed up. We want to make sure that we're happy and that actually um, um, country, uh, translates into, into really good health. And so we really want to prioritize our responsibilities and take care, take time to care for ourselves because we're the only ones who can actually do it. You can only take care of you. I can only take care of me. So make sure that you do your best and take care of your body. And also remember that um, your body is a temple of the Lord. Okay, so we're, we're, we are very much spiritually oriented um, country. Um, we believe in God, and so we want to make sure that, hey, we treat our bodies as a temple. And so you're doing the things that will actually promote a healthier temple and not things to, that will actually destroy your temple. Ladies, in, in the words of the um, the iconic Rodney Monka, this is powerful. This was excellent. <laughs> thank you so much. I, I thank you, Dr. Roll. I thank Shandira. I thank you, Dr. Simonet. Thank you so much for your contributions. Um, it's, it's very hard to have a conversation within an hour's time with so, so um, with powerful minds on the call. So that, that was a lot of information right there. And I think uh, what we need to do is have a few more of these podcasts on nutrition with you all. And uh, maybe we can spin off on some, some of that. So 
offline we'll get into that I, I, again i say thank you to you um last words before we conclude the podcast um is the words from hippocrates when he says let thy food be thy medicine and medicine thy food again let thy food be thy medicine and medicine thy food thank you everyone for listening to this podcast produced by cgs wellness for more information about CGS Success Wellness, you can find us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. Our handle is at CGS Wellness. Or if you want information in terms of blog articles or ideas in terms of uh, wellness initiatives or even advice on nutrition, sleep habits or exercise, um, definitely check out our wellness blog at www.cgsuccesswellness.com. Again, thank you again for joining us. And thank you to our panelists for such a valued educational session.